by our inability to present ourselves in a worthy manner. All too often our minds are drawn to the ways that we fall short. For the sins that we have committed. For the work that we've left undone. For the thoughts that linger in our mind. For the harsh words that we have offered. The way that we have turned to other things other than you in our times of need and trouble. Yet, Lord, still you come and surround us and enfold us with your love, with your mercy, with your compassion. And, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. And we ask that you would transform us into something extraordinary. Lord, that the lives that we lead and the things that we do and say might point to your abundance. What it is like when people allow you into their lives, into their conscience, and into their being. Lord, as we offer this prayer, we recognize that There are tensions within our society, this nation where we speak of all men and all people being created equal. Yet, Lord, we recognize that we still struggle with what equality looks like. We still struggle with what it means that every person should have the right to pursue happiness. The Lord, we pray that somehow we might be instruments in helping people come together, that we would see greater relations between humans in our city, in our state in our nation, and across the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear this prayer. And Lord, this prayer is for us here in the church, but we extend it also to those who are gathered in worship in other places. And Lord, for those who aren't gathered in worship, Lord, we recognize that the relations between people of faith, between people of different faith, and between people of no faith needs to improve. So, Lord, in your mercy, hear this prayer. This morning, we also pause to offer up prayers that we have been invited to come and say. Prayers for the ones we love and know. Prayers for those we haven't met but have seen the call and the cry. Prayers for healing. Prayers for justice. Prayers for wholeness and for peace. 
Prayers for financial breakthrough. For job uncertainty. Lord, we pause to especially lift up this, uh, the strike that has been going on. For the teachers who have struck for the for smaller classrooms and Lord, mostly for the sake of the students that they would have the care and the right learning um, environment. We pray that a, a solution and a resolution would, would come through quickly so that the teachers can get back to doing what they love and are called to do and that students can get back to doing what they need to do. They would learn and contribute to the future of our society and our nation. And Lord, we offer up prayers for ourselves, for those things that we need, for those things that we desire. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. <coughs> Lord, we do desire to be transformed to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. That we might hear your voice and follow your call, even as we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Today I will be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the marriage with his disciples. When the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now six stone jars were standing there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. 
Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the steward of the feast. So they took it. When the steward of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when men have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The word of God, for the people of God, thanks be to God. Now, I've been sharing with you about how I've been enjoying CBS's God Friended Me on Sunday nights. And it's that show that follows Miles Finer uh, and his friends Kara and Rakesh in their quest to discover who is behind the God account that befriended Miles on Facebook and turned all their lives upside down. And last week I shared with you that Miles is an atheist while his father serves as the pastor at Harlem Episcopal Church. But I didn't share with you the reasons why Miles has become an atheist. You see, when Miles was seven, his mother was dealing with cancer. And through the whole season of her fighting through her cancer, Miles prayed like he had never prayed before. And he prayed the way that only seven-year-olds can pray. And when the treatment was complete, the doctors gave his mother a thumbs up and an all clear that she had beaten cancer. But on the way home, a drunk driver runs a red light, smashes into the car that Miles' father and his mother were in. And his mother is killed. And Miles, in his grief and in his anger, decides that God either doesn't exist or if he does, he doesn't want to have anything to do with that kind of a God. And so we fast forward to the show where Miles, who is now in his mid-twenties, is walking down the street with his friends. When the God account suddenly beeps on his phone and he looks down and it sends him a friend request. And it's the man who was driving the car that killed his mother. It's the drunk driver. When Miles sees it, he's upset. And at first, he refuses to even consider finding out why God would send him a friend request of this man. This is the last suggestion that Miles would have ever expected. And Miles isn't ready to take it. He's not ready to respond to it. He's still too mad. He's still too raw. 17 years later, he's still not ready. And the reality of the episode rings true for those who have decided to lace up their sandals and to follow Jesus. All too often we find ourselves presented with God's call at times that we think are not that we are not ready. They're not convenient. They seem beyond us. They seem outside of our ability. But don't think you're alone in that experience. 
because Jesus experienced that unexpected call as well. You see, in this morning's scripture reading that we just heard, Jesus and his disciples were invited to go to a wedding. And Jesus' mother was there as well. And before we get in going into the story any further, I want you to understand what a first century Palestinian wedding was like. These weddings lasted anywhere from seven to ten days. They provided a time of celebration and bonding between the families. And during this time, the host would provide all of the food and all of the drink for the entire gathered family and village. And this was probably a rather lavish wedding as Jesus was allowed to bring his disciples. And we don't know precisely where in the timeline of the festivity that this occurs, but at some point during these seven to ten days, Mary comes to Jesus with some terrible, terrible news. The host has run out of wine. Is terrible news, right? How would you like to be at a party where uh, we've run out of wine? Yeah, not not a not a. It's terrible news. Now, of course, in our society, if we run out of food or wine at an event or a party, uh, it it's a it's an embarrassment. But in first century Palestinian time, this was more than an embarrassment. It was a social disaster. It was shame. You see, wine was seen as a sign of God's overflowing blessing and good fortune. God's favor was shown with bountiful harvests and an abundance of crops like grapes, which would then be crushed into wine, which would then be drunk at celebration. And within Hebrew society, it was a sign of tremendous abundance and blessing. So if you run out of wine, the guests would begin to question the ability of the family to provide and support the newlyweds. It would have been received as a bad omen or a bad sign. At worst, it would be received as an insult. And the family would have borne the stigma of the shame for generations as the story would be told over and over and over that the host did not provide enough wine for the wedding. Now the host family was probably family to Mary and Jesus. So when she comes and shares with him the problem, she is sharing a family matter. And her request of him is to do something about it. And she doesn't specify what she wants him to do, but it's clear that she feels that he needs to do something in order to save the host and their entire family from the shame of running out of wine. Like I said, Scripture doesn't say exactly why she came to him. And personally, I I like to think that it's she comes to him because somehow she feels that his extra guests are part of the reason why they're out of the wine. But there's also that unspoken feeling that she had faith that Jesus could actually do something about it. So when he looks at her and he says, Woman, now first of all, I have to tell you, if I ever turned and looked at my mother and said, Woman, <laughs> it might just be the end of me. But he says, woman, what concern is that to you or me? My time has not yet come. 
See, we get the sense that she had an idea of what he was capable of. And this thought is further underscored by the way she goes and tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to. So even though he has said, no, don't bother me with this, my time's not yet come, she still goes to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, despite this rebuke at his mother's request, he nonetheless tells the servants to go, and there are these large earthen stone vessels that hold water for the Jewish rites of purification. They're like 20 to 30 gallons, and when you see them, they're massive. They're massive. There's six of them. He tells them to fill them up to the brim with water. That's quite a task. They have to go and they have to fetch the water and they have to bring it in and they have to pour it into the vessels. Then he tells them, go, cross them off, and go and take it to the chief steward and serve it to him. Now, can you imagine being the servant that goes over with the ladle and dips it into the vessel that you have just poured a bunch of water in and now you have to go to the steward and serve it to? Like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? But Mary told me to do whatever he told me to do, so I'm going to do it. And I would be shaking in my shoes as that steward picks up his, his, his flask and takes a sip of it. Think, this is it. I'm fired. I'm fired. What's my family going to do? And instead... The steward's eyes light up and he says, you know, most people hold back or serve the good wine first and as people get drunk, then they serve the inferior wine. You have kept the best for last. It's not just wine. It's the best wine. The very best wine. And it's a great story, right? A great story. It's one of my favorites of, of all of Jesus' story. You know, Jesus is a, the master winemaker. <sighs> but let's cut to the heart of the matter and the story. You see, Jesus isn't ready. In his mind, his time has not yet come. He wasn't ready to assume the mantle of being the Messiah and all that the title would bring with it. And yet in that moment of need, compassion wins. And Jesus performs a miracle, his very first public miracle. And it's a miracle that symbolizes that out of the old Hebrew system of rituals, that God is doing a new thing. And he's going to bring purification and righteousness to the world in a new way. It's the same way for you and I. Honestly, when, when the call of God arrives, it often arrives before we are ready, and it rarely comes in the manner that we expect it to. We have our plans. We've made them. We think they make sense. We have a progress that we want to go through, and we think we know how things are supposed to unroll and develop. But our plans are not God's plans. And sometimes we're called to step forward in faith before we are ready and before our time. And when we do, 
We have the privilege to see how the movement of God can turn the ordinary into the extraordinary. We get to see how God can do new things through the old system of Methodist belief in ritual and traditions. And we get to see miracles take place. This morning, what is the miracle that God is calling us to accomplish? What is God calling us to transform from ordinary into extraordinary? What great thing has God placed before us? What great thing has God placed before you? Now, I don't want to play spoilers. I'm not that person that spoils all the stories or all the stuff in movies. But if I get back to God friended me, Miles gets that friend request. And through the encouragement of his friends, he does reluctantly step forward. And he has doubts about what is supposed to happen or what could even be accomplished by him stepping forward. But ultimately, he is moved by compassion in his response. That's all I'm going to tell you, because hopefully you'll see it if you haven't already. But of course, that's just a television show. It's a script. It's fiction. Maybe you'd like something that's more real life this morning. How about this? December 1st, 1955. A young woman by the name of Rosa Parks is arrested in Montgomery, Alabama because she refuses to stand up and give her seat to a white person. In the same town, there is a young American Baptist minister by the name of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And he remembered a time when he was a young man where he was forced to stand up and give his seat to a white person just because he was black. So he and several of his clergy friends organized the Montgomery bus boycott that lasted 385 days. And during that boycott, King's house was bombed. He was arrested. And the nation was thrown into turmoil in the discussion over the Jim Crow laws that were present there in the South, and into discussions about race relations across the nation. Whether he was ready or not, King found himself thrust into the nation's headline, and he found himself subject of many strong opinions. And of course, we know that the boycott ended with a district court ruling that ended racial segregation on all Montgomery public buses. And we know that King would later receive a Nobel Peace Prize in 1964 for his civil rights work and for his message of peaceful, nonviolent protest. And he continued his high-profile civil rights work until his assassination in 1968. He was 39 when he was killed. 39. 
Our nation is a better place because of this man. Because he had to act in response to injustice. Whether he was ready to or not. And you and I might not ever do anything as high profile as Dr. King. And I'm pretty sure you and I are not going to turn water into wine. But God is calling us to act, to help, to assist, and to do something that helps the stuff that we do here become the way it is done in heaven. Say that because we pray that every single week here in church. Now you may be ordinary, but God can make you extraordinary. And all you have to do is take that first step in faith whenever you get that call, whether you are ready or not. What is God calling you to? What is the extraordinary thing that God has in front of you? Are you willing to take that step? Ready or not? Go. Amen.
morning. Thank you for spending your important worship time here with all of us at NoHo FUMC. Please be sure again to sign the Ritual of Friendship pads. They're the red books along the center aisle and pass those to your friends and neighbors as well. Um, I'd like to direct your attention to the back of the bulletin if this is your first or second time here with us. There's contact information right on the top. Please reach out to us. Let us know how we can be here for you. Um, we are also on the internet and we are on Facebook and Instagram as well and YouTube. You can find us there and all of our live streaming that's going on. Following worship this morning, please join us for a time of refreshments and sharing of our lives in the lounge. If you are unable to stay today, please take a moment to greet your friends and neighbors next to you and behind you and wish them a good Sunday and a wonderful week before you exit out all the very many doors that we have here in the sanctuary. That would be wonderful. All right, if you check your inserts, you can see about donating altar flowers for the rest of the year. Please, if you would, we would love for you to sponsor that for us and make worship a little prettier with some flowers. Also, Pastor Steve's Bible study just kicked off on Thursday night. It's called Disciple. It's a 24-week class, and we'll get through the entire New Testament, but there is a six-week break in there for a Lenten study, but it's been really fun so far. You get a great workbook, and if you'd like to join, you still can, so just let us know, or come to Lofilo at seven o'clock on Thursdays. Just know that on some weeks, we may move to the community room or the lounge, just depending on what's going on with the school. On Friday, January 25th, we're going to have tea fellowship again at Aroma Coffee and Tea in Tahunga Village, just down the street, about a mile. Join us at 11 o'clock if you'd like to come along for some niceties and some treats. Super Bowl Sunday, we are still collecting two more Sundays. You can see the NFC and the AFC bins here. Um, we're hoping to collect 200 cans before February 3rd, the real Super Bowl. We have Last I counted, 171 cans to go, but I think we're at 166 now. If you can bring some cans next week to help us tackle hunger for the North Hollywood Interfaith Food Pantry, just know all the food goes to local community people that are hungry and in need. And digital outreach, here we go. Digital outreach has an announcement. Tanya has a new project that she needs your help with. She's going to be making a 30-second promo for our church and needs volunteers to be interviewed on camera about what they love about NoHo FUMC and what makes it like family. She has a sign-up sheet with her right now this morning, so if you can meet her after church, she's going to film starting next Sunday. You can also check out the rest of the scheduled happenings this week on the back of the bulletin, as well as ultraflower dedications and your lectionary readings for the week. So now, let us conclude this morning's worship service by standing, if you're able, and singing our closing hymn, number 89, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. <laughs> 